Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, my name is Radzi and I am a television presenter. The Driven Chat Podcast, powered by Paramex Digital. Hello and welcome to the latest Driven Chat podcast. My name is John Markar and this is a little introduction preamble, or as I said recently, some people picked up on pre-ramble, which I quite liked, uh, section to this week's podcast interview, which, as you've just heard from the intro, is Radzi. Uh, Radzi with an amazing surname and as a man that often gets his own surname confused by other people, this, I think, tops mine, Chinyanganya, Radzi Chinyanganya. And I was glad to get that right first time. Sat beside me in our little studio, Coventry Corner, is producer Amber Young. Hi, Amber. Oh, hello. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for that intro. Well, that's all right. I thought <laughs> I'd uh, I thought I'd get you in on the uh, on the little intro for this week's pod because, of course, this is your guest. Um, Radzi's a, a, a friend of yours. Do you know what? It's funny. N- no. <laughs> okay. Really. Sorry, Radzi, but. I suppose hopefully now we no, are. He is, he is, yeah. Um, <laughs> now we are. No, God, I hate that um, guy. No, not at all. No, do you know what? It was, uh, and this is going to sound a bit strange, but I pride myself on being able to meet people mm. that I feel are, this is going to sound quite strange, but like-minded. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, I'm one of these people that you'll hear in the podcast. I'm one of these people that has grown up watching Radzi mm. and being inspired and being motivated by him and actually just enjoying what he brings to the table and I suppose it stemmed from that so it's kind of within this kind of position being able to approach people and bring them in yeah. and get to speak to them um I suppose yeah it, it kind of stemmed from that really and perfect um, 
Yeah, I'm going to take it on board as, do you know what? Yes, Radzi, you are now my friend. There you go. (laughs) We're friends now. (laughs) Now, I should point out, for anyone that's listening that perhaps isn't sure who Radzi is, well, um, firstly, I don't believe you, but knowing that we have an awful lot of listeners all over the world, perhaps our big listenership in the US, going to fire through a list of television shows that Radzi has been a presenter on or a... um, a contestant or a reporter or just playing his own role here are some of the programs that you've probably heard of gladiators the olympics match of the day kickabout blue peter a huge crucial one there blue peter if you are listening from outside the uk i feel like it's big enough that even people in the us know what the british children's tv show blue peter is it is the biggest children's tv show that you can possibly present it's historic now it's massive if you don't know you should exactly <laughs> uh, celebrity mastermind contestant fantastic songs of praise another huge huge show that goes out every single weekend it's one of the longest standing consistent tv shows that's on the bbc he's presented on the london marathon great south run uh, celebrity eggheads he's been on that as a consistent as well strictly come dancing's children in need special he presented in the winter olympics in 2018 he's presented on oh no sorry he was a contest contestant which is even cooler on the crystal maze he presents crufts which is of course this mad very british dog competition that happens mm. at the birmingham nec he's presented on that um World Snooker Championships he presents on. It's, it's just This list is absolutely huge. He's even been a voice actor in Kung Fu Panda. Yes, I think he, I believe... What a CV. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he had a cameo in Kung Fu Panda 3 as m- me. That's right, yeah. Yes, voice actor yes. as me. Just brilliant. See, this is, this is a guy that everybody knows. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm certain of it. Everyone in the UK. Mm. Uh, he is, of course, joining us today predominantly as a presenter and host on Channel 4's Formula E. That is our link, of course, into our worlds that combine because, of course, he's present- he is a- an anchor on there, on that fantastic production. And we will talk about Formula E in this episode as well. But this is a conversation, I and mean, we've just had the conversation. This is our little preamble that we do after we've had the conversation, but yet we're saying it and you're hearing it before you hear the conversation it was quite an inspiring, uplifting chat, wasn't it, Amber? It truly was. And I have to say as well, just bringing this into the conversation, if if you don't follow um, Radzi's social feeds, sort of Instagram, etc., then really, really do. I mean, I've personally been quite inspired by some of what he's shared before, where he's kind of had quite a huge hand in, in the mental health side and mm. also, you know, sort of that loneliness side, that sort of thing, where... He's done some volunteering, et cetera, and been on those phones to people. And I think that's truly something that is inspiring for people to be doing in such a position as well. So respect, huge respect. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. A lot of love for Radzi. And as you will hear towards the end of this conversation, things took a turn, which I wasn't expecting, (laughs) which I could, but I, yeah, I can completely and utterly envisage and imagine happening, and I'm not going to say anything more than that because I'm going to let you enjoy the conversation and let you discover it in the same way that we did. Indeed. So let's dive into this week's conversation with Radzi here on the Driven Chat Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy it. Stick around to the very end, as as we sometimes like to do. We'll include some additional parish notes. As you've just heard there from the introduction, this week we are joined by a television presenter, Radzi. Radzi Chinyanganya. Hi, Radzi. How are you doing? Spot on, mate. How are you, Radzi? I'm good. I'm good. Do you know what? I uh, little 
break that fourth wall of illusion for our dear listener, I did just want to double check that I definitely got that surname pronunciation correct. So I'm glad I've glad I got there. Well, you're very kind. I it got butchered by many a headmaster in many a school that I went to. It gets butchered on TV. So yeah, I'm happy to go with Smith, Johnson, Brown, whatever. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So Radzi, thank you so much for giving us a bit of your time this week. It's great to talk to you. Great to see you. Many of our listeners will know you. I'm guessing there's going to be two camps of our listeners that know you either as Formula E presenter, one of the yes. hosts for Formula E on Channel 4, or alternatively, and there's a quite a high likelihood of this one as well, there's going to be a lot of our listeners that will know you because they've grown up with you watching you on TV, which is quite cool, isn't it, as well? Yeah, I feel very lucky, actually, because I grew up watching Blue Peter, and I remember I was at, I was working at an event. It was the it was a tennis event, and basically this guy came over to me. I thought I was doing something wrong. He was about six foot seven, and he went, excuse me, and I said, oh, hello, mate, and he said, you were my childhood. And I thought, how am I your childhood? You're the biggest man I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's always a privilege when people come and say something like that. So yeah, that's very cool. And then also I do everything from songs of praise where the average listenership might be, let's yeah. say in the high seventies, dare I say mid eighties, right the way down to, I've done a couple of bits for CBBS. So you go from about three years old up to 83 years old. So <laughs> yeah, I feel very lucky. Yeah. That is amazing to have that, that diversity and age range. Um, I'm guessing it's got to the point now where pretty much wherever you go, there's going to be somebody that recognises you or sees you. Or does that, that I, my favourite, is the curious look of, why do I feel like I've met you somewhere before but don't know why? <laughs> you must get that from all age brackets now. So I'm not sure if you know your boy bands. I'm not sure if you know your Brazilian footballers. I'm not sure if you know <laughs> your American sort of kids dramas. But if you do, you might know Corbin Blue, you might know William, the footballer, and you might know Aston Merigold. Yeah. Because... I have been all of those three people. I've signed autographs <laughs> on behalf of all those three people. And it, it, I was in Brazil last week for the EPRI and somebody thought I was uh, William. And I thought, if a local thinks I think I look like William, I'm taking that. <laughs> do you ever correct them or do you just go with it? Like, is it easy to just sign it? And, yeah. I was at an event with my friend who's in his 70s. And so it was actually for Songs of Phrase. It was their 60th anniversary. And I was telling, uh, ridiculous, I was telling him that people mistake me for other people. There was a guy from JLS there, and still someone came over to me and said, oh, my sister's got loads of posters of you. And I thought, that's <laughs> odd. I don't know if she does. Um, I don't know if posters even exist of me. And then, then she said, oh, mate, she loves you. She loves you. Can we get a picture? Because she'll honestly, she'll lose her mind. I said, yeah, yeah, no worries. And then he said something, I don't even know the, the JLS songs, but he's then gone, oh, even I love insert song. <laughs> ah, okay. So I went along with it. Yeah, just hand round shoulder, thumbs up. Fantastic. Bosh. She'll be gutted when she sees it. Yeah. I, I love, yeah, I do love that. I love the idea that he's going to get there and go, look, 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 look who I met. And she'll go, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the bloke from Songs of Praise. <laughs> <laughs> So, Radzi, I mean, we, on these weekly episodes, we love talking to people like yourself who have come from all walks of life to end up in and around the world, pri pri primarily for us, automotive. So, of course, for us, our big link to you is Formula E and the fact that you yeah. are now a host and a presenter of that. But there is so much more to you. And I've been scrolling through your your backstory and your history, and it is absolutely incredible. And I'm not sure that many of our listeners may know just how diverse 
your journey to get from where you started and what you thought perhaps was going to be your career for life has then led you to be on our screens on Channel 4 presenting for Formula E. So to start with the automotive link, is there a time or is there a distant memory that you can go back to, perhaps a core memory, early memory, in and around the world of cars that might have painted the picture or drawn out the line to lead you up to the point where you're standing in front of a camera on a grid, surrounded by racing cars, presenting on Channel 4? Yeah, well, I was in Dundee, and I, where my mum's from originally, and we were in a Tesco's. They just built this brand new Tesco's. <laughs> and in this brand new Tesco's, they had a poster section. So my mum would go shopping, invariably, and I would sift through magazines slash the posters that were available. And one of these particular posters was a Ferrari F40. Oh, and, and seeing that car, I remember it was... It was like gazing into a sort of a sci-fi dream where you think, wow. And then finding out that that's real. Mm. And then for my Christmas, I really wanted to have that as my poster. I didn't want anything else. I just wanted a Ferrari <laughs> F40 poster. And yet, so for me, that's where my mystique with specifically, I guess, hypercars, but more for Ferrari in particular, because Ferrari to me is just... Uh, Every time I see a Ferrari, I get that funny feeling of, oh my goodness. And it me it personifies so much to me. That's uh it personifies Ave made it, beauty, uh, success, bees, uh, charisma, all of those things. And then we haven't even spoken about the handling of the cars, mm. but just looking at them, the aesthetic is I, I mean, I would rather look at the I'd rather look at a Ferrari than the most beautiful woman that's ever walked planet earth type thing it's just oh my goodness yeah they're amazing fantastic and i mean you're you're becoming a a more and more successful by the week presenter do you think there's is it on the horizon do you think you might treat yourself to a a ferrari or a collection (laughs) of ferraris someday well then i'd have to treat myself to standing in in the debt queue i think but um (laughs) i was i was i I mean i could well so here's the thing the the two elements of my brain go, oh, maybe you could get a used Ferrari. Yeah. And then my other brain goes, no, no, no. If you're going to do it, you got to get it. You got to do it properly. You've got to walk into the dealership and have the whole experience, which I can't do. So then I think, oh, so I, well, I funnily enough said this about two weeks ago to a friend of mine. He said, "What would make you die happy?" And I said, "Well, I'm not sure about the dying happy bit, but I know that I could retire happy." having at least owned a Ferrari for a day. Nice. I'll take it for a day. Even if I lose it, don't, don't mind. I, as long as I've gotten to press the button and hear 10 cylinders, 12 cylinders, whatever it will be in the future. Oh, yes. Yeah, brilliant. Love that, love that. And I'm glad, I'm so delighted that you picked out the F40 as your kind of hero car because we're almost yeah. the same age. We're, we are, I think there's maybe a few months between us. And for me... That was that was our yeah the years that we were born. That was the brand new Ferrari that came out. So growing up, and I had the same. I had a poster on the wall and the little Burago model. And for me, it was always that hero, and I still see them now. And it, I think, as you say, I get as excited seeing that car now as I did when I was maybe you know, five or six, and I could identify what it was. It is, it's awesome. Well, Dario Franchitti, who I've worked with, is he's an amazing bloke, 
um, and Indy car driver and lots and lots of things. And uh, he's a commentator and a pundit for Formula E, certainly was last season. And his stories are just the stuff of dreams where he'll casually drop things in. So he was looking at a picture that he got sent by an old friend of his. He said, oh, I've actually known him for 30 years now. Oh, great guy. He, he, he dropped off the F40. And so in my head, I've gone, dropped off the F40, dropped off the F40. Is there any alternative that he dropped off a Ferrari F40? I said, Dario, are you talking about he dropped off the Ferrari? He said, yeah, yeah, he did. So he popped round to my house. Listen, I'm not, I'm not bothered so much about the logistics of it. It's what are you talking about? And so this guy has owned the who's who, the what's what of cars. Yeah. And, he, and, and somebody that actually drove it. And the first thing he said to me went, Oh, I was terrible to drive, you know, not to race, not to drive fast, but you try try driving that thing around the streets. And I said, let me just get the smallest violin in the world after that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, he actually owned one. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I've heard the same sort of stories from people that have owned them or driven them. And it's all, I'm always like, no, put my fingers in my ears. Don't want to know. Not interested in hearing about how, <laughs> how difficult they are or how you have to watch out for manhole covers. Nope, don't want to hear any of that. To me, it's perfect and it will only ever be perfect. And I don't want, ever want that dream to be shattered. Um, right. Now, let's go to the, um, the kind of beginning of your career. Um, I was going to say career in the public eye, but I don't feel that that's completely relevant because, of course, your your you know, any career, whether or not you're in public eye or not, is is relevant. And I love knowing that as well. You're you know from a background that's perhaps quite ordinary. In, you know, for for most of us, very much so. in the in the terms of you know you weren't born into a showbiz family that's led into a showbiz career. You're just like the vast majority of us, just you know a normal guy. But your yeah. your life career, your kind of what you were aiming for out of education isn't quite on par with where you've got to now, is it? And that involves you hurtling down slippery, frozen ice gullies. You'll have to give me the correct <laughs> term because I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. But skeleton bobsleigh was where you were heading initially. Is that right? That's right. So I, I went to Loughborough Uni and Loughborough Uni is everyone trains there. Everyone yeah. does something. And I loved it. I mean, I, I attended far more gym sessions than I did lectures. Um, and it's the the people that you're surrounding yourself with. It's everyone's talking about strength and conditioning. They're talking about massages. They're talking about how you can recover. They're talking about how you can... Uh, every element of physiology. And even though I did economics, that really wasn't my passion. My passion was movement. And in 2008, I did... I was on the then new series of the Gladiators, which was on Sky One. Mm -hmm. So you might remember the ITV Gladiators. Yeah, that was the the bastion of all that was entertainment on a Saturday night. And then they did a remake on Sky One. So I was on that. Through that, I met a now very good friend of mine called Greg, and Greg was a, a GB skeleton coach. And he said, based on my acceleration, based on my body type, he said you'd make a good skeleton athlete. So roll on six months later i found myself at bath university where they have a push track loved it took myself abroad for the first ever time to a track it called lilyhammer in norway yeah. went down that loved it and then that's kind of it went from there and so i was hoping to make the winter olympics in 2014 um and i'm not sure if you saw the winter olympics in 2014 i wasn't there mm. so i failed in that endeavor and i knew that from about 2010 so two three years of just dedicated training to skeleton, working in a leisure center to pay for myself to go abroad to tracks and usually say 
three weeks, sorry, three months working would pay for about three weeks training abroad, living in hostels, et cetera, et cetera. It didn't work out, but that was my, that was my first sort of foray into chasing a dream mm. that then didn't work out as I wanted it to. Um, but it was as a direct result of that, that I then got my presenting gig. So when I was interning for CBBC um, in around 2012, let's say, um, they were looking for a presenter of a show with an extreme sports background. Uh-huh. So all of a sudden I got put forward because of skeleton. And so now the reality is, is I didn't need that extreme sports background at all, but it gave me a label. And so, yeah, so that was December 2012. Um, had the screen test for it in March 2013, started in May 2013. And that was the start of my, I mean, I'd done three years prior to that of presenting for free, but that was my first ever job where I got paid and it was just living the dream it was, oh my goodness, I have started. And even though it was a 10-week contract mm. and the money was by no means life-changing, it didn't matter. I was doing the thing that I really wanted to do. Amazing, amazing. And it's I always find it interesting when you hear these stories of perhaps you have a, a particular goal, a particular target. I want to, oh yeah, I envisage myself doing this role. And for you, it may have been skeleton bobsleigh. But then the presenter thing, did that come in as like a, was that always a backup plan? Or was that just something else you were exposed to and thought, oh, actually, if this doesn't work out, maybe that would be the one to go for. What was the what was the transition? Well, if you met the Ferrari F40, Radzi, so let's, let's call him, yeah, I don't know how yeah. old he would have been. Um, he would have said, I want to be a Blue Peter presenter. Yeah. And so, and if you'd met him at eight, nine, 10, 11, <laughs> maybe even going up to about 13, he did a Blue Peter presenter and it sort of oscillated and fluctuated from there. But so for me, I've always had the presenting thing at some point in my, in the back of my mind. And actually the story was, is that while I was at Loughborough, so it was becoming increasingly clear that it wasn't going to happen in skeleton. Mm. And I was, uh, I was sat doing concierge at, about midnight in, I can't remember the name of the halls of residence, but I was there and it had gotten to the point where, and this sounds like a sort of an, an embellishment, it's really not. Every day for two years, somebody would ask me if I was a TV presenter. Really? And it was really, really strange where they didn't confuse me for somebody who was one, that they would come up to me and say, as in strangers in the street or strangers when I was working in the leisure centre or concierge or whatever it was I was doing, they said, excuse me, mate, are you a presenter? I'd say, no. Ah. And often they would end with the words, oh, you should be. Interesting. And I got this. And it was really, 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 actually, it used to wind me up because at that point I was trying to do skeleton and I'd failed in mm. skeleton. And then I felt as that was validation and confirmation that I hadn't done what I wanted to do. And my attitude to presenting at the time was, why would I want to speak to other people about their lives? That means I'm not living the life that I, I wish I had led. Mm. So that was kind of my attitude. And then it got to, like I say, about two years and I was sat in the concierge reception. And I remember thinking, ah, this is the first day in two years. No one's asked me if I'm a TV presenter. And I thought, huh, amazing. And it was about 10 to midnight and someone came in and said, oh, excuse me, I've checked in. I'd like to check into my room. I said, yep, yeah, no worries. I've had a very quick chat. And as they left, they got to the door, they turned back around and said, are you a TV presenter? 
And I said to them, I said, I'm not, but you know what? I'm going to try and be. Wow. And that was my moment of, I'm going to do this. And it then took three years of working for free. But it was this strange, I mean, even as I say that, I almost don't believe myself that that happened for two years without exception, but genuinely the truth. Um, and I, my sort of attitude was, I thought, well, if all these people who I don't know seem to think that I should or could be that person, then why not? Mm. And I'm so grateful that they did because here I am doing a job that gives me zero social life, but I absolutely love it. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really amazing. I like, I love that. You know, a good period of time of people going, you a television presenter and your reply could have been not yet, but there you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's great. I mean, so yeah, talk us through, cause I, I have seen, I saw a very brief clip, a brilliant little piece to camera you did, I think for CBBC, which was, I guess, made in the, um, in the hope from a production point of view to kind of make people realize, make younger viewers watch and realize that perhaps the journey to their dreams isn't always straightforward. It isn't just a case of, I'm going to be a TV presenter. That's what I want to do. And then click your fingers and there you go. You're in, you've done it. I think you, like many others that have dreamed and pursued a dream in the world of a career or a lifestyle choice, there you've been through the hard stuff at the same time. You know, many of us in this industry for media, we've worked ungodly hours for free on little to no sleep and then grafted in opportunities that were they ever opportunities were they going to be opportunities for you what was that kind of that struggle period like or perhaps struggle period is the wrong word but that more indirect route to where you were did you have lots of those kind of working for free and intern paidless intern jobs totally and it was a struggle and it was it was depressing as well it was at one stage living in the hostel it was mm. the next stage living in the hostels i couldn't afford the hostel so i moved into a legal accommodation in manchester um and i then was getting that i think it was the number 50 bus into a bridge house in media city to do an internship that was paying i think 42 pounds a day and that just just covered my illegal accommodation my coach back to Loughborough, where I was still a subwarden, and I was basically lying to my sub to my warden, telling him that I was on. Imagine this. So I'm I'm on call as a subwarden. If any pastoral or medical matters take place <laughs> in Media City with the, the warden phone, and if that phone went and it was security, and they said, Oh, hello, Radzi. We're just outside your flat. We just need to speak to you. Or if we have a student, we need to give to you. La, 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 la. If that happened over the three-month period I was doing that internship, I'd have been gonzo. Wow. And so I was I was really struggling. And the, the big thing that I, it was a mistake in some respects, but it was the thing that, if you like, stopped me from being able to, well, stopped me from stopping. And that was that I had now spent so long after university that my degree was essentially redundant i couldn't get a grad job because i'm now two and a half years out of uni and it's well they're going to say well, what have you done in the last two years well the answer ostensibly tangibly is nothing and so i'd walk down this path so far i couldn't turn back the only job i'd be able to get is the one that i was also doing which is working in a leisure center and so i had zero money it put pressure on my very long-term girlfriend at the time because she was saying, why don't we go on holiday? Why don't we do this? Well, I was, I, I had zero money. Mm. Um, I 
was going from, I was going to different auditions. I'd go for meetings and meetings for anyone who doesn't work in TV are generally a waste of time. Yeah. And I, I get on a mega bus coach and go down to London at, at four in the morning. Cause that's when they were a pound. Um, and I'd then wait in London for 12 hours. I wouldn't eat or drink anything because in London it's 17 times the price that it is anywhere else. And so all of that, and also feeling as though, you know, I'm letting my mum down because my mum had sacrificed so much to give me an amazing life growing up. I felt like I was letting my sister down because she believed in me loads. And I, I just ultimately felt like a failure all the time. Um, and it wasn't until I, and by, and by the way, to be clear as well, those were the two people who believed in me more than anyone else. It's just what I put on myself. Um, and then um, the day that I'll never forget is the 3rd of August uh, 2013 at 12 noon being asked to be a match of the day kickabout presenter wow. and at 1 p.m being asked to be a blue peter presenter and I, I burst into tears and i'll never i'll never forget that moment that's that will live long in i think when i die so i don't know if you have that rolodex of your highlights yeah but if there is a highlight reel that is in that for sure amazing absolutely amazing we are going to jump to an advert break, if that's okay. And then I want to come yeah. back and follow on from that story because I feel like we're about to get somewhere really exciting. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The Driven Chat Podcast. Right, we're back. Now, just before our little break, you told that story, that brilliant story, your Rolodex memory, that core moment where suddenly... It's like buses, isn't it? You wait all day for a bus and three come at once, or two job off, two job offers come at once. <laughs> what I'd love to know is how close were you to throwing in the towel on that dream and, and thinking, do you know what? I'm just going to go and work in retail or work in an office and just wait for the next idea to turn on and follow that dream. That was a daily battle, actually, where I felt like throwing in the towel. And I, Actually, I, I ostensibly did. So I was, uh, my mum lives in Wolverhampton towards this day. And I went back to Wolverhampton where my sister was. She's seven years younger than me. So she was still in school. Mm. And I sat in the living room and I just broke down in tears. And that, that isn't really my, that, that wasn't me. I'd say I'm a bit more emotional now, but certainly I wasn't then. And, um, and I just said words to the effect of, I'm trying so hard and I just don't know if I can do anything else. And my mum said to me, so prior to that, she'd said, why don't you think about teaching? Mm. I, said, I think you make a good teacher. Um, you know, it's it's guaranteed work. You get generous holidays. 
is blah, 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 blah. And I, I said sort of famously to it within our family, why would I want to do a job where the reason for doing it is you don't have to do it more than other jobs. Mm. And so she didn't have an answer to that. So this was the context. My mum would say, what have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about the other? And so I was sat there and I said, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I, I feel like I've just, I've given everything and it hurts too much. And now my hero on Blue Peter was a guy called Simon Thomas. who was my all-time favorite presenter. Yep, I remember Simon. Yeah, and he got it on his third time of asking. And so at this point, I had an audition for Blue Peter in 2011, got down to the final three. In the end, they didn't take anyone, so they kept Helen and Barney as it was then. Mm-hmm. Then they did a competition on Blue Peter in 2013 where they looked at getting a brand new presenter in with somebody from somebody with no experience. Well, I tried to apply for that. And then because I was a runner earning zero money on an internship for CBBC, I couldn't apply for it. Oh. So I felt like I'd almost had two, two of my lives, if you like, had been used up. And so my mum just said to me, she said, Radzi, you told me Simon Thomas got it on his third attempt. You're only on your second attempt. You've got another one to go. And it was it was a mixture of a kick up the ass, but also a shot in the arm of it was what I needed to hear at that moment in time. And so were it not for God, I happen to be a Christian, were it not for my mom and my sister, were it not for certain friends, I yeah, I I would, I would have given up. And the weird thing is that normally at this point people would say, oh, but it was worth every second. Conversely, I don't know if it is hmm. because the pain of what it took, I don't know if that's worth anything, to be honest with you, because that took years of my life expectancy, undoubtedly. Yeah. That took a toll on me. I don't know what that toll will be, but it was it was so painful that it's, it's almost like if you've had the best relationship ever and it ends very badly, you could look and say, but at least the good times were good. Mm. Yeah, they may have been good, but they still not may have been worth what happened at the end. So on balance, I don't know if it will ever be worth that the three arduous years where I, I, there was no guarantee it was going to happen. I'm so grateful and pleased that it does happen and has happened because I live a wonderful life, like I say, with zero social life. <laughs> but I just, I feel so lucky and I feel lucky for a multitude of reasons because boys like me from Wolverhampton don't do jobs like I'm doing. And, you know, in your setup there, you've got Amber who works alongside you. Mm. Amber's got all the tools to be a very successful presenter. Look how she speaks, everything else. What's to say that tomorrow she doesn't get an amazing break? But also, the, the world of broadcast, TV, media, whatever, is so fickle and rubbish that nothing is guaranteed. Mm. So you could be Ronaldo of presenting and not get your break, which to me as a sports person and a sports fan, I struggle to compute that. Yeah, no, I get it. I really do. And you're absolutely right. And I think it's great that you've said what you've said there, because I think there are an awful lot of people. I know this from the the tiny little slice of the pie in the world of media that I've operated in, that even I get people that will say, you know, how do I get to, how do I get to do what you do? Or how do I get to at least get a foot in the door? And it can be so difficult when you've got this, 
passion, this desire, this want to succeed and want to see yourself. You know, everyone paints that picture of what they think they're going to look like in the future or what they're going to be doing. And it could be from, I'll be married by a certain age or have a certain car, I'll have that F40 or I'll be in a particular career. Everyone does it, not necessarily from media and presenting, but it could be the dream job, you know, whatever that might be. But often when you do the actual, the scientific breakdown, the analytics, when you get sensible and you think, well, let's actually put this into a figure of numbers. Let's say that there are a million other people that also want to do that same job, that a million other people that have a very similar dream, a million other people that are in some way, shape or form pursuing it. What are the odds? You know, what are the chances? And this always, for me personally, when I have that conversation with the, the young the younger person most of the time that wants to do something similar to me is I want to be able to give them both and say, look, it's great that you've got that dream because I too had the dream and I still have the dreams to do bigger and better things. But equally, it's you've got to have that vision of realism and you've got to have that understanding of the fact that it is going to be difficult. And to go back, you know, you made a very, very poignant point there where you say you lost years of your life or your life expectancy with the stress and the heartache and mm. the, the downfalls. Well, my response as a kind of the positive optimist would be that the value perhaps in what you've lost in comparison to what you've gained is not just for your own success, but it's that little glimmer for anyone else that comes along and says, is it worth trying? Is it worth the stress? Is it worth the heartache? Because whilst that pain and struggle and difficulty existed and it's completely relevant and completely life-shaping, you in just maybe a passing comment or a passing bit of advice to somebody going, if you're really passionate about it, it is worth sticking out because it can work. That might be the the one giving factor that keeps that little pilot light lit for somebody who's pursuing that dream. Totally, mate. And if I can do it, then quite literally anyone can do it. There's nothing special about me. I, If I was six foot seven... I may try for the NBA. Mm -hmm. Instead, I'm five foot nine. The hair makes it look close to six foot, but I'm <laughs> five foot nine. And I'm I'm just an ordinary geezer from Wolverhampton, from, a, from an incredibly loving but ordinary family. And and so yeah, and I mean my I, the way I would flip it on its head is not necessarily why you, but why not you? Yes. It's gonna have to be somebody. Yeah. Now you mentioned odds. I struggle with odds because I think, well. I don't live my life statistically. Mm -hmm. I, you know, if I shouldn't be here based on odds, mm -hmm. if you, if you look at I mean, with my ex-girlfriend, her family from Skegness. And I remember when I first met her family, I remember thinking on the face of it, I do not look like the best catch in the world because you go mixed race guy, Wolverhampton, broken home, skint, currently trying to get himself a job. You know, it was just tick, tick, tick of just so many things that a family in Skegness would go, oh dear, oh dear, oh, what's his name? Munyaradzi Chinyanganya. Oh, fantastic. So, but that, but so you look at that on the face value, you look at the cover and you would draw one conclusion. Hopefully if you met me, you might think something completely differently. And whether it is, I mean, it's most people that make it, it's either privilege that's a that's a slither. I dad sorted you out with a gig, whatever it might be. Mm. The rest of it, it's a multitude of whether you're beautiful enough, mm. whether you are fast enough, strong enough, high enough, whatever. Now, the world we work in is creative. 
So it's subjective. And subjective sucks because it means that you have key holders and gatekeepers who decide whether you are the person. Mm. But it also means that it levels the playing field. Because now, if we're after a blonde guy with blue eyes who's five foot one, you ain't going to get the job, mate. <laughs> yeah. But if all of a sudden we want um, a kind of, we want an oil painting, we want a Michelangelo's David, if we want uh, something that would be totally attractive to anything that breathes, all of a sudden, hello, Driven Chat podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> you're flattering me. <laughs> um, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, it is, it, it, it's a, it's a mad world, I think, is the easiest way to describe the, the industry in which we work. And, yeah. and you're right. And yeah. you, you made that analogy earlier, didn't you, that you could be the Ronaldo of presenters. I often think about there's a, lot, there's a common comparison between um, athletes, let's say footballers, and the ability to play football versus racing drivers and the ability to pedal a car very, very well. Now, many of us, most of us, in comparison to the world of motorsport, can club together some money to go and buy a football and a pair of football boots and then try out your local team. <laughs> Most of us can have a go at that. When it comes to motorsport, as the comparison, it's an expensive hobby. Most of us definitely don't have the capability to go and buy themselves a fully prepared racing car with track access, with some tuition, with the licensing process. And it's, yeah, trying to work out that remedy of how do I place myself on that path to think I can be, I know I'm good at this, I know I can get opportunities to do that. There is no secret recipe, is there? It's just a case of you've got to pursue what you love, you've got to pursue where the passion sits and stick at it. Yeah, and then once, for example, so you're a racing driver. Well, how do I go from F3 to F2 to F1. When I'm now in F1, so I may feel that life's unfair because I don't get a chance, I don't have the access to, to like you say, get exposure to motorsport. Mm. Well, when you're in motorsport, there's going to be further inequity. There's yeah. going to be, my car isn't fast enough, my team doesn't have enough money, blah, 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 blah. You know, even I'm in the right team, but I'm not the number one driver. So therefore, perhaps I'm resentful of it. That never stops. Mm. And so I think that, you know, the further up the mountain you go, there there is usually at least one person who's above you in in some form of hierarchy. And if not, there's another mountain that's bigger. Mm -hmm. And if there isn't a mountain that's bigger, you're probably not in a big enough mountain range. So for me, that boils down to, I mean, I've always struggled with lack of ambition. Mm -hmm. I've always struggled with people who are in an ambitious environment and have no ambition. So I've never got the idea of, hey, I'm a... I'm an FE driver and I'm just here. No, 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 mate. Now you're here. This is now where the real hard work begins mm -hmm. because now your hard work pays off in points, yep. in actual success. And so, uh, yeah, for me, that's sort of what you're kind of speaking to. There, it To compare for motorsport or sailing or rowing where equipment is a big determining, determining factor on success, it isn't comparable to athletics or football, but we like it for a different reason. Mm. And when you then see two drivers going head to head, even it, in fact, I probably like it when I see a Dan Tickton in Formula E who doesn't have the best car in the world, giving it loud, as I would say, <laughs> against the big boys, against the Jag, against the Porsches, against the Andretti's. That is awesome because he's the British underdog. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loves an underdog. 
easy uh, easy way to get a, a team on side is to be a slight underdog. Yeah. I've, this has been a lot more kind of poignant and inspiring than I was expecting, Radzi. I'll be honest. I like this. This is uh, this is good, and I hope there are a few people listening that perhaps are maybe at that either at that stage in their life where they're considering what their future is looking like, or perhaps at that kind of turning point, that that junction for uh, the next chapter. Um, yeah, this is this is really cool. I guess we should probably talk about Formula E for at least a minute. Yes, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, how did you? I mean, are you a motorsport fan? Did that did that call come in and you went, "This is perfect"? Um, and the one thing I know this is this is a cheap uh, a cheap opportunity for a headline question here, but would you have rather it yeah. been a phone call about F one than Formula E, or are you genuinely passionate about the Formula E and the electric side of motorsport? So to, to give you a sort of words or gummage sit on the fence answer to that question, but a truthful answer yeah. is that for me, it's not about the glamour of anything that I do. So I work in snooker, for example. Mm. If I said it's snooker to most people, half, well, maybe 5% of a listenership will go, oh, snooker, amazing. Ronnie yeah. Sullivan, wow. You heard Jimmy White, that's all. And then 95% of the audience <laughs> who aren't 70 are actually asleep by the end of that sentence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, and people often say to me, do you actually like snooker? Yeah, I love snooker. I always have. My granny was the person who got me into it. So what I love most about my job is I get the opportunity to tell stories. Mm -hmm. I get the opportunity to shine a light on things. And hopefully my passion or my energy or my interest or asking certain questions in certain ways is what adds value. So to me, I genuinely couldn't care less if it was F1 or go-karting, great. as long as what I'm doing is I'm able to do those things, to shine a light, to add passion, and ideally, I'll be able to offer creative ideas up to make something better. Ah, can we move the graphic to this point here? In fact, can we animate that there? Can we make a... Co- that you, The conversations that you have with a gallery or you have with a production ahead of a broadcast to be able to say, this is what I think would make this better. Mm-hmm. Um. So a kind of, if you, if you want a headline, is so I'll be anchoring in Portland and in Rome as things stand. Not officially confirmed, but I should be um, for 101 reasons. Now, in that, I'm hoping to add the style of presenting that I perhaps have gleaned through a number of years working at everything from strongman, snooker, athletics, Olympic, blah, 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 blah. So for me... I would much rather, much, much, much rather work in Formula E where you have that creative freedom than in F1 if F1 was going to be limiting and it was going to be a talking ahead type role. Sure. But I'll also add seeing Max and Lewis and Georgie Russ, etc., doing what they do at a volume that can... If you haven't been in a garage and heard the engine fire up, I mean, first of all, congratulations, you've still got your hearing. <laughs> but it is the loudest thing on earth. And what is amazing about F1 for me is it's this marriage between engineering and driver skill. Mm. And what I think it makes it quite unique as a sport, most sport generally, is when when that athlete or sports person wins, they don't celebrate for themselves. Mm. The first thing they say is, well done team yeah. yeah and i actually 
that's cool. When I'm, a, I'm an Arsenal fan. When Thierry Henry was banging goals left, right and centre 15 years ago, he didn't turn around and say, thanks so much to my S&C coach, to my physio. To my... That didn't happen. Yeah. And so motorsport, yeah. So liked motorsport, but I was never an expert in motorsport. So I did have my hesitations when I was offered the job. Sure. No, that's that makes perfect sense. I, sh- I feel I should point out as well. I, I fear that my the way I asked my question made it sound like Formula E was somehow not as good as Formula One. That's not at all what I was aiming for. What I meant was more the are you you know would you rather be there around the noise and the petrol or the electric side, which of course you know the two sports are so they are they I'll just validate and... what you say though. Mm. Is it isn't as good? Let's let's be totally honest. Mm. Formula E as a package is not as good as Formula One yet. In one reason, it started in 2014. Exactly, yeah. Number two, it doesn't have the money, the scale. People do not talk about Formula E in the streets. They don't mention Jake Dennis. I think they should do, but they don't. So actually, as a fact, it isn't as good yet. Do I think the racing is as good? I think the racing is better in FE. Mm -hmm. But as a package, no question. So I I agree with you, sir. (laughs) Very kind. You are very kind. Very generous. (laughs) Perfect. Um. How do you see you know, the the rest of the season panning out in FE? And again, I'm going to pick up on on something you said there. You're right in the sense of you know, Formula One's been going. It's the longest running motorsport since it was racing. And I think the first one was one in the 1930s. I want to say there'll be somebody shouting at their speaker device now going, no, I got that wrong. But uh, yeah, you know, that's been going on for nearly 100 years and has got decades of glamour and prestige and other various bits and pieces surrounding it but formula e you know that i can clearly vividly remember the launch year of formula e and how everyone almost everyone is a motorsport fan went oh come on this is it's going to do one or two seasons that's it it's a pr push for electric cars then people are going to get bored of it and it's not going to happen but the reality is it has grown vastly and i'd say on a scale very comparable, if not maybe even slightly bigger than the the popularity growth of F1. Because realistically, F1, if you look to things like the last three or four years, thanks to Netflix's fantastic series, that's really flourished in popularity. But equally, I'd say the actual growth in popularity and the, and the following of Formula E is probably bigger, I think, than F1 in, in comparison. I think growth, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, it's it's on an upward trajectory and hopefully it will continue. And I think <clears throat> what's in many respects, it would have been a a sort of, I'm not even sure what you call as a metaphor, the idea that if you, it would have been the medicine that would have ultimately killed it, I suppose. If it had had the exposure of F1 in that first season, it wouldn't have lasted because it had so many gremlins in the system. And if you speak to the drivers in that first race they had in Beijing, it was China anyway, maybe not Beijing, but I think it was Beijing, mm. is there was a genuine fear, and not a fear of, you know, you walk on stage and you worry about falling flat on your face, and there was a genuine fear that the cars would not actually start at the on the very first race. Wow, yeah. So, it, so therefore, imagine having 5 million people watching. You, you may have potentially lost the audience, right from the beginning. Mm. Whereas instead, the people that watched that were probably a lot of motorheads, a lot of people, or petrolheads even, motorsport fans who were watching that with a curiosity and maybe thought, you know what, this is is all right because they gave it a chance. Whereas if the mainstream had seen that, I think they'd have just kind of washed their hands of it. Now we're at a point where rather than changing your cars between a race, 
I mean, the car very much lasts, mm. but even just conceptually, when people say to me, oh, is Formula E, is it, is it basically Formula One, but electric? And I'll say it is. And then the follow-up is, is it as fast? And I'll say, well, no, it's not as fast. And then you'll see that, uh. Mm. Now, my two retorts to that are, one, the, the nature of, of the tracks don't allow for that speed anyway, Yep. first of all. Number two is, and not everyone sort of understands this when I tell them in the street, is that where the cars start with not enough energy to finish the race. Right, so they yeah. only have enough energy by regening. And they regen by braking and lifting off. Now that changes the strategy enormously. Yeah. So much so that in Sao Paulo, people didn't want to be leading. They actually wanted to be ideally third and fourth because of efficiencies. Yeah. Now, what you then had was something like, I think it was something like nine, nine changes of the lead of pole. It's what? How has that bloody happened? And it was it was incredible. And that wouldn't have happened in F1 because you've got enough fuel to get through the race. Yeah. So it's all about just out and out racing. And so FE is more than out and out racing. And so it adds a different dynamic to it. And then you have attack mode as well, which you have to take, which for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen, is where on the track you have to go off the racing line to go over um, a part of the track, which you can see on a, on a graphic, but the drivers know where it is. They can't physically see it. But when they go over it, that will give them X amount of minutes of extra um um, I'll describe it of extra energy, I suppose you'd yeah, say, like or, boost, or, or, or ex, sorry, of extra power. Yes. And so that changes the game as well. So it's, there's a, a multifaceted narrative, which is a little bit complex when you first watch it, but after a couple of races, I think you'll love it. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Cause I was one of those skeptics when it first came along. I was, I was one of the big huff and puff. Oh God, what's this now? But having been to a couple of the races and seen the action happen, you think, it's difficult not to get excited about this. This is this is fast-paced stuff, close-knit racing in really cool environments. And you're right, it shouldn't really be compared because it is a completely different, whilst it's still cars going around a circuit, the actual, the dynamic of what makes the racing special is completely different to F1. It's a completely different story altogether. So really, really cool. So before we wrap things up, what I wanted to know is having, knowing that you've gone through these different chapters of, you had a site, sites set on one particular route that perhaps didn't work out then sites were changed to a new career and a new route and that happened but of course it happened with its struggles do you have a next chapter and you don't have to say what it is if there is a next chapter but do you have a is there now something else that you're thinking i want to you know experience that or have a go at that or is it just a case of being a bigger and better version of what you already are or do you want to be in a racing car on the formula e grid um, if I went in a racing car, uh, I would, I mean, basically write my obituary now because <laughs> I ain't going to last very long. Uh, but for me in 10 years time, I want to work in politics. Wow. And okay. I would, as a, as a politician, yeah, that'd be my aim. Fantastic. And what, why is there a, is it because you look at the system now and I think many people probably agree with what I'm about to say, <laughs> look at the system now and go, Oh my goodness me, this is a joke. Or is there is there a, a kind of a bigger, deeper rooted reason for your ambition there? Yeah, so it's it's that for sure. And it's also the fact that I think 
that or a i don't want to be remembered as a guy who held a microphone for a living i think there's sure. more to life than perfectly segueing from studio to vti to and, and back again yeah and i loved tv and it's it's wonderful but the people that i really admire aren't tv presenters people i really admire are people that have moved a needle mm. and being from wolverhampton i would like to speak for people who perhaps don't have a voice and i you know, for growing up, I was so I went to a grammar school, a state grammar school in my second from my secondary school. And I was I came from the poorest family in that school. And I know that because I was the only family who had working parents tax credits, mm-hmm. for example. And so and the only reason for mentioning that is the simple fact that now benefits are sort of condemned. Benefits are people are regarded as feckless and worthless. And so it then becomes a thing of shame. Mm. And when I've when I've sort of done some stuff in say uh, asylum seekers cafes or for, for tv this is when i've done when i was in finland and i was speaking to a guy who was who just moved over from the congo and he said i said so you've come here i said how does it work do you have support he said, yeah yeah we get given free money and i said oh right okay you know how long do you get that for he said well I've had it for six weeks from the government and I should be able to get my job in two days time, which is amazing. So somebody else can get the free money. Wow. Oh, this is just wonderful. Mm. And I said, so, you know, have you got a partner? He said, yeah, I've got a girlfriend in Finland. And I said, oh, wow, you've, you've moved quickly. <laughs> and I said, what was that like? Have you met her family? He said, yeah, I met her family. I said, was that, was there, so that in the UK, people wouldn't almost like to admit that they mm. ha- have money from the government, have support. He said, no, no, no. It All it is, it's like having a job, but, you get paid to look for a job. So it's brilliant. So it allows me to look for a job. And now I've got this job. Other people can look for a job too. And I just thought it was wonderful to hear somebody speak with pride Mm. for what this structure and system had given to him to allow him to give back to that structure and that system. And I, I really believe that I'm somebody who's had the most incredible amount of support and love. I, my mum and my sister, to allow me to get where I'm at now. Other people don't have that privilege. Other people are, um, they're on their own. And, you know, it's, I I do not believe, basically, I feel like I've been given a platform. I know I can speak. I've never been backwards and coming forwards. I bloody hate authority. In school, I would be the guy who says that stupid thing to a teacher because my mate says to me, Radzi, why don't you crack that joke to that teacher? Yeah, I'll do that because that won't end in suspension. And, and so I, I'm I'm up for fighting the good fight. And if I get booted out of the Labour Party, so be it. But until that point, we're gonna we're gonna put the gloves on and we're gonna start swinging for the fences because someone's got to do it, and it ain't anyone I'm seeing currently. Yeah, here, here, yeah, fantastic. Love that. Absolutely love that. Didn't see that one coming. And I, but the thing is, I sit here talking <laughs> to you now. You know, we we've never met, but I, and I hope we do. I'm sure we will at some sort of motorsport event or something in the future. Yeah. But just in the time that. I'm talking to you here. I can completely imagine it. I can completely envision it. And if we're, you know, if we're being crass about the whole thing, you've built up a brilliant PR platform because every single age bracket in the country already knows who you are. You're going to get the young voters because they watched <laughs> you on television. And then, yeah, you can move forward. You should be flourishing in this. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Now, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I, I completely and utterly can envisage it and imagine it happening. Um, yeah, so I, I wish you the absolute best of luck with it. I don't think you'll need a lot of luck. I think there'll be a lot of people listening to this that will be nodding their heads and thinking, this guy talking with sense. Um, 
and and yeah, if nobody else, you know, if people aren't out there, people like you and me and whoever's listening to this, if people aren't out there willing to at least try and change the system or something, then there's no hope. We can all sit here and moan and grumble about how rubbish the system is, but if we're not actually willing to go out there and go, well, yeah, it's rubbish, and here's how I think it should be better, or here's how I'm going to have a go at changing it. it sounds like you're, you're already on the route to doing it. Well, thank you, mate. All I will say is when I'm stood there in PMQs, and I'm, and I'm making a really salient point. All that someone's got to say is, here's one I made earlier, mate. And then you go, <laughs> yeah. Which am I right in saying has never, ever been a Blue Peter catchphrase. It, I, I always seem to remember, like, as a kid watching Blue Peter, people would say it like, oh, it's like what they say on Blue Peter. I'm like, I've never actually heard anyone say it on Blue Peter. But hey. So I used, basically, we were told not to say it. Yeah. And I, I used to then, because I was in, again, in school, someone says, don't do it. I have to then do it. <laughs> so I would then crowbar in iterations. So I would say, well, looking at my hair, here's one I made curlier. Hey. And then my mate behind the camera, they would, hey! and anything, um, you know, oh, look at the size of that bloke. Here's one I made burlier. Anything <laughs> like that, it came out. So it, it, I think it was a thing. And then progressively people tried to move that cliche out, but then I tried to put it back in. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. Excellent. Um, Radzi, thank you so much. Uh, if people want to go and see more of you, I'm sure everyone already knows who you are, but where's the best place to go? Is it Instagram? Is it a Twitter feed? Where do you, where do you want people to see you? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Instagram is I am Radzi. And then if not there, hopefully next year you'll see me at Crafts or this year would be, whether it be tennis or World Athletics Championships or Formula E or a few, maybe if you're, I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but good morning, Britain in the morning, next week, all week. So if you see a very tired it's, looking man. It's going out this week. So this week you can, you can watch Radzi if you're in the UK on good morning, Britain. Right. Exactly. Friday this week, all week next week, and then a bit of a bit of your favourite sports snooker the week after. <laughs> it's not been the same <laughs> since, since since the demise of, of Ronnie. It's just not been the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, brilliant, Radzi. <laughs> thank you so much. I, I almost want to end this by saying, future Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Radzi. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on this week's <laughs> podcast. And um, I, I sincerely mean that. I really hope we bump into each other at an event or some sort of some sort of function sometime soon. So it'd be great to have a proper chat with you. Thank you. Let's put you on the spot. Will you come to FE the uh, at the XL? Yeah, July, right? Is it July? That's July. In fact, yeah. if you if you want, I could give you an email of someone who'd sort you out the ticket for you and Amber to come and whoever else. Let's do it. If you did fancy coming, but yeah, yeah no, I'd I'd love that. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, perhaps we can yeah have another chat there, surrounded by electric racing cars. Done. Looking forward to it. Good stuff, Razzy. Thanks so much. Cheers, mate. Take care. Cheers. The Driven Chat Podcast. There we go. Radzi Chinyanganya for Prime Minister. I love it, quite frankly. And I wouldn't class myself as a political person necessarily. You know, mm. I watch it, I listen to it, I vote when I'm supposed to. But it's one of those that, especially more recently, as most people I'm sure will probably agree, over the past couple of years, it's mm. been quite a situation interesting i think is the <laughs> political way to say it well yeah absolutely and look this episode once it's live and now that it's live is live forever and um i really hope that oh, in like 30 years from when we're recording this which by the way is tuesday the 4th of april 2023 um when radzi's up there as a senior politician if not prime minister they'll be listening back to this going oh look at that he even talked about it one. way back in 2023 yeah. we're just going to manifest now you know, yeah, those people happening. out there that believe in it's manifestation, 
Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. Done. <laughs> uh, right, usual call to actions. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, you now have the best part of 150 episodes to catch up on, which is incredible. We started doing this in the summer of 2020 when, frankly, there wasn't much else to do. And look at us now, we're still at it. Uh, yeah, 150 episodes is an amazing achievement. We're all incredibly proud and we are so thankful, sincerely so thankful that so many of you are now enjoying this. We have had now comfortably more than half a million downloads on the Driven Chat podcast, which is incredible. Uh, many, many, many thousands of listeners every week. So thank you, sincerely, thank you for joining us. If all you're doing is listening, that to us is amazing. And if you're enjoying the content, then that's even better. If you are feeling especially generous, we do invite you to leave a nice review, a five-star review, and some nice words on either Apple Podcasts, the review section there, or on Google Podcasts. I believe you can review there as well. And Spotify, as we recently discovered uh, in last week's episode, you can now reply to individual episodes within the Spotify app, which is brilliant because I get to scroll through and read them and it's just so much fun. So a huge thank you to everyone that has left a lovely review. If you are considering it, if you have the the time, the means and the ability to leave us a review uh, and you want to share some kind words, then please do because it does really genuinely help us out and it gets us up in the podcast rankings, uh, which shouldn't matter, but it does. And it's always nice to see, you know, when you've got little green arrows that point to the fact that you've been going up in the charts and things. It's just, it's lovely. So thank you. Uh, another thing as well is don't forget, you can see everything that we do at our website, drivenchat.com. This podcast is just one of many media outputs that we create. Uh, we also produce lots of lovely written articles we have a new news section on our website thanks to new member of the team mike who's come along as our news desk writer so you can see lots of new news if you want to catch up on what's happening in the world of cars automotive the occasional motorsport and some events to add to your calendar make sure you head on over to drivenchat.com and have a look at the news section of the website where you'll be able to see lots of new and interesting stories and there you've also got the long form articles i do enjoy writing about cars so you will see some cars there that i've had on test that i've written reviews of including the new bmw m3 touring bentley bentayga um audi r8 oh there's just loads and loads and loads and then of course there's the other stuff we do like the youtube videos uh, we have a youtube channel it's proving to be quite popular now uh, head on over to youtube if you're not already subscribed search driven chat on youtube and you'll find our channel hit the subscribe button and fill your boots with car content because there's plenty there to enjoy uh, Amber, from your your uh, producer head, have I ticked everything off the list of things I'm supposed to talk about? I believe you have. Good. Yes. And by all means, I'm going to add on top of this. <gasps> yes. Thank you so much for engaging with us on Instagram. Oh, you know, yeah. We have great conversations oh, yeah. on here. <laughs> we've got social media too. Yeah. <laughs> See, there's always something I forget. This is why I need additional humans around me to go, you've forgotten something. We all do. It's fine. Yeah. Yes. No, you're right, actually. Yeah. Instagram. Uh, we have, of course, our Facebook page. We have our Instagram feed. If you want to see what we're doing on more of a daily basis, yeah. Check us out on Instagram, uh, slip into the DMs. We do read absolutely every comment, I promise. Whilst we don't get the opportunity to reply to all of them, because we get a lot now, uh, we do see all your comments. We do see all your feedback. Uh, and also um, becoming somewhat of a TikTok sensation in the past two weeks whilst talking about yes. hazard lights. Yes. Um, and if, <laughs> I'm not going to say any more than that other than just go and have a look. Uh, the last time I checked, 
220,000 views of me talking about some Land Rover Defender hazard lights is wild. But I do feel like these are the kind of things, if you have a strong opinion, feel free to let it be known (laughs) on these videos. Do your worst, honestly. (laughs) We love to know. Yeah. We love to know. We do. Go and engage. We'll we'll try our best uh, to engage back. Uh, But yeah, if you're looking for more car content, if you've enjoyed this conversation, perhaps it's your first. You have got a lot you can catch up on now. Loads of conversations, just like the one you've heard, and loads more content to see on the social feeds, on the website, and on the YouTube channel. For now, I will say thank you so much for listening. A very happy Easter to you if you have been celebrating this past weekend. I hope you are surrounded by chocolate eggs, and uh, or at the very least, enjoying some time off if you are one of the lucky few that get to enjoy bank holidays. Uh, We will be back next week without fail with another episode thank you so much for listening from us it's goodbye see you later bye the driven chat podcast powered by paramex digital hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end and it's john markar here again reminding you that this podcast the driven chat podcast has now run its course and has come to an end to find the new format search the driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps thanks bye